We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, let's just jump into some rapid fire. We've got 100 days to go until Notre Dame football opens the season in Dublin, Ireland against Navy. So what gets you the most excited when you're thinking about this new season for the Fighting Irish with 100 days to go? So what's got me the most amped up and excited right now would be this kind of revamped, renewed, re-innovated offense that the Irish Irish have pieced together over the offseason. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Um, The addition of an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, new offensive line coach, um, in combination with a young uh, wide receiver room, a, you know, grad transfer quarterback, um, a really good running back room. Um, So, yeah, just seeing how all of that comes together and hoping that they can be a high-octane offense and compete with, you know, the USC's, the Clemson's, the Ohio State's, I think that's what's got me most excited for the season. And then second, what, what kind of goes along with that is to me, this is a Marcus Freeman kind of led team. He's kind of flushed out a lot of the the coaches and players that he was, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, grandfathered into when he took over the program. <laughs> he inherited, um, yeah. Yeah, he inherited. So it, to me, it just feels like truly we are embarking on the Marcus Freeman era. And I, I'm really anxious to see you know, what that Marcus Freeman era looks like. Because to me last year, like, did I want Notre Dame to do well? Sure. But I was content with it being Marcus Freeman's first year, it not being, you know, an entire staff and roster built by him. But I think Marcus Freeman is really going to be defined over the, this year. And then ultimately the, the you know, years two, three, and four, I think are going to be Marcus Freeman's biggest years. So this first year going into a more Marcus Freeman-esque era is another thing that I'm really excited for. Good point, because, I mean, he does tend to get kind of a free pass for things that happened last year, for the most part, anyway. You know, I I don't think that there is near probably the same level of scrutiny on him compared to, say, Brian Kelly in, in his first couple of years. But Yeah, but I do think that the, there will be added pressure next year. I, I think there will be more people upset and alarmed if you right. have games like Marshall yeah. and Stanford again. The free pass only goes so far. Yeah, and I'll, I'll address kind of some of that coming up here in a second. But I, I'll just piggyback on yours because that's like it is the offense that I'm excited to see, this new offense in action. I mean, 
having the best passing quarterback Notre Dame has has had in at least what like the last 15 years since Clawson you know just just thinking about how those Sam Hartman uh, Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse connections were in less than a half in a cold rainy spring game you know that's kind of got me percolating and and uh you know the anticipation for what more can come because he didn't have Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather to throw to in that game. And like you combine them with, with those two receivers right there alone. And you mix in the running game, like you're talking about a running game that Hartman never had out there at Wake Forest. You know, it's just, it's just been so frustrating over, you know, for so many years to see all these other offenses around college football be able to thrive and and just go about the way they do things so differently than the way Notre Dame has operated offensively for so long. Like I, I want to see Notre Dame be an actual, you know, like an, an innovative, and it doesn't even have to be truly innovative, just a functional downfield type offense. And I think that we can see that this year with, with a guy like Hartman being the trigger man. I mean, he's like, it's, he, he's like the game boy, you know, like we were talking to EA sports college football yesterday. He's gay. He, he can be the game boy for this whole thing. Like it's, it, it may be some video game like stuff, you know, some actual fun offense to finally get to see. So I'm really excited for that. We've got a hundred days. We shall see. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the flip side of that, is there is there a biggest concern that you have at the 100-day mark of the season? The biggest concern I have That's a tough one cuz I feel I I feel pretty solid, you know, that, like looking at it offensively, I feel like the the running back room is in good hands. I feel like the offensive line is in good hands. I guess the thing that I, I'm I'm most worried about, most concerned about, and again, looking at the defense, I don't have a lot of concerns because I feel like they're getting better at linebacker. 
They're yeah. solid secondary. They've made improve, improvements and added depth along the defensive line. So to me, the biggest concern is can the wide receivers step up and do what they're supposed to? You know, are they really I, I, going to are they really going to be what they what we think they can yeah, be? I yeah, I think that is my biggest concern because there's so much inexperience. There's not guys out there who are proven, you know, catch guys, yard guys, touchdown guys. There's just so much inexperience with Tobias Merriweather, Chris Tyree, obviously playing running back his whole career, the trio of young wide receivers. Like there's just no one that is like this is going to be the guy, right? There's no one who's there's no proven actual wide receivers. And then I think another one is a concern that came to light last year is just depth at the quarterback position. You know, knock on wood, you never want anything bad to happen. But if Sam Hartman goes down, that would be very tragic for this team. You know, it's like you don't even want to say <laughs> yes, it out it loud would. almost. Yes, it would. <laughs> yeah, and that's Joe. Joe agrees with you, and I hadn't really thought about that. But, I mean, that's that's probably, you know, like even Ohio State would be in that situation. We just got done talking about. Ohio State. I think there's a lot of teams that would be in that situation. You're most likely going to have to go to an unproven guy if something happens to your number one guy. It's it's up to your coaches to get those guys ready to go, but there would be a drop-off if you go from Sam Hartman down to Steve Angeli or, you know, even Kenny Menchie because of the huge gap in experience. And like I, I think that's a legit concern. Most of my on-field concerns, like the biggest one that I had was what was going to happen at safety. I think they've addressed that getting Antonio Carter last week. My thing, not a concern as much. It's not a concern. It is just, uh, you know, I guess it's a bigger, bigger, bigger picture question of are the blips of losing to the teams that you're supposed to beat, you know, is that a, a thing of the past? Like Brian Kelly had Navy, Tulsa, South Florida in his first couple of years before he turned the corner. And then 2017 to 2021, things got smoothed out. They beat the teams. They beat all the teams they were supposed to beat. Didn't always beat the the, the teams that were sort of ranked evenly with them or maybe a little bit ahead of them. But it's it's can you continue to or can for Marcus Freeman specifically, can he put like the Marshall Stanford type stuff behind and like you know like michael is saying notre dame fans need to end everything about losing those kind of games to marshall and stanford last year exaggerating expectations that marcus freeman is going to lose to bad teams yet brian kelly has as well and that's he's still just a second year head coach so that's again not as much a concern but it is a question are those are those blips going to be a thing of the past and going back to what we were talking about to, you know, like most excited Joe was talking about the culture change. And I think that goes along the lines of what you were talking about. Yeah. That's kind of what I was trying to hint in Marcus Freeman's team right now. Yeah. What he's building, not what he's building with or building off of what Marcus Freeman is building from the ground up on his own, how he wants this program to look, how it is going to run in the future etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that is the most exciting thing because i think marcus freeman can really turn notre dame into that that program that we we've seen in the past that we got accustomed to you know in the 80s 90s etc i i think he can bring that back and not to say that notre dame wasn't there i i just don't think that they were in that top tier of teams you know the last two decades or so so, um, yeah, I, I really think Marcus Freeman has a tremendous opportunity on his hands 
And I think that is the most exciting part to see. Obviously, I want it to go well, but we can only wait and see if, you know, how it's going to go. Irish Gordian Knot says, would you rather bet on Sam Hartman to get 4,000 yards, Tobias Merriweather getting 750 yards, or Merriweather getting 1,000 yards? I, I don't know. Was this a, a lucky lefty conversation? I, I think I missed the first part of this. He said Malik kept moving the goalpost, if that's what they were talking about today. Which which of those would you be most willing to bet on? Tobias at 750. Really? Yeah. I'd, I'd hedge toward I, – I realize 4,000 yards is a lot, but I would hedge toward Hartman getting the 4,000 because with the receiving group that they've got, and again, like you were just talking about, as inexperienced as it is, uh, yeah, that like that's – as We Are Not Marshall says, the kid has one career catch and now you're expecting 1,000 yards. And you said 750. I don't know if it's going to be him. Is it going to be Jaden Thomas? I would think one of those guys is going to get that. I would be more in the 4,000 is about, if you're assuming 13 games for a bowl game, third, four, fourth, at least, right? Because maybe they make mm-hmm. the playoffs and get to 14 games. But 4,000 yards and a minimum of 13 games comes out to about 300 yards per game. That's not unattainable. Right. No. And that's why, that's why I would bet on the 4,000. Because, I mean, think about – what their schedule looks like with, you know, throw out Ohio state and USC and Clemson and, you know, just push those games aside and you've got nine games remaining where you, you know, know, like you would expect that, that they should be able to get the backups in quite a bit with the kind of offense that we think that they're going to have. And with the kind of defense that I think that they're capable of playing. So, and, and, and again, the ability to lean on the, the the rushing game doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to like that it's going to take away from his passing yards because look at Caleb Williams last year. We used him as an example before. He was up there over that mark, and they still USC still had a solid running game, and it wasn't even a great running game. So I think with the kind of backs and offensive line that Notre Dame has, you can have both that that you can have a quarterback. Who should easily, especially when it's he's got the experience that Hartman has, he can easily be up there around four thousand yards. I just, I think that the ball is going to be spread around a bit. I would definitely not push it toward a thousand yards for any of the receivers, but I definitely think that you can have probably three guys who are at least six six fifty and above this season in terms of wide receivers. Yeah, and I think you mentioned a good point there. Something that's going to help Sam Hartman's game is the run game. But like you said, it's not going to take away from his passing attempts. It's just only going – I think it's going to make his passing easier because they're going to have to respect a run game and, and, you know, commit some guys to the box here and there. And I think that, you know, linebackers having to honor a run game and at least take a step and look at it, I mean, that just gives Hartman a little bit more time and, and the ability to kind of, you know, probably get more men-on-man coverage – considering you know more guys have to be committed to the box to the run game so i think both of those things are it, it's jason garrett hit it on the head um a lot give jason when he, garrett some credit yeah he hit it on the head a lot when he when he did notre dame games you know that run game is what opens up their pass game ultimately and that's yeah. that's what's going to get everything kind of churning is that the run game allows it, you start off with a run game 
physical run game. It opens up your pass game. I think you become more pass dominant towards the middle part of the game. And then as you're, you know, coming down off the, it's like a, it's like a parabola loop. You know, you get to the run game up here, you go, you ride out that pass game and then you kind of come back down with the run game to end the game. And that's kind of how I, I, I see their plan of attack going majority of the season. Parabola loop as you motion up in in an arc. You are literally talking above my head with the parabola <laughs> loop. But I, I think I agree with the gist of what you're saying. And and Michael says if Drew Pine wasn't the quarterback last year, the receivers they had would have performed last year. And it's it's bingo. And that's why with a legit quarterback, all these guys can perform. And Gideon Nutt said Garrett did not hit it on the head during a lot of, of Notre Dame. I thought games. he did well in Notre Dame games, actually. I I I I, I, I feel he, like his X's and O's, his X's and O's were pretty good. I don't want to hear about game strategy from Jason Garrett. <laughs> his X's and O's were solid. You know, was it the most entertaining? Broadcast? Yeah, knowledge Probably of the game not. was there, but like the entertainment right. aspect of it was not there at times. Right. Right. Exactly. No, I so, actually hated him as a Cowboys fan. That's <laughs> it's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, please don't, don't, <laughs> don't even go there, Gordian. Not it is not because no, 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 no. <laughs> and I mean, this is closer to true. He's a robot. Yeah, I mean that. I wouldn't. He's, robots know their stuff, though. That's right, robots. <laughs> Again, like XO, like strategy gets more to emotion, right? Like, like you know, game situations where X and O. Schemes. Yeah, he's 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 actually a good offensive mind, but we'll push the Garrett talk aside. <laughs> Let's talk more Sam Hartman and other quarterbacks because we talked yesterday about that ridiculous ESPN quarterback tier article that has Hartman in tier four with more than 20 quarterbacks ranked ahead of him in their ranking. My question is, which quarterbacks would you actually want instead of Hartman right now if you had your choice? And, I, and I'm talking about quarterbacks who will be playing in the FBS this season. Which quarterbacks would you actually want instead of Hartman? For me, it comes down to one guy. I don't know about you. Uh, there's two guys I would take. Um over Sam Hartman one would be Caleb Williams two would be Drake May um and then you start looking at some of the other names Michael Penix Jr I wouldn't want him he's also a fifth year senior so it's not like you're getting any younger I would take Sam Hartman's experience um and the ability to throw the ball over that I, I think that playing in the ACC is a little bit tougher than playing in the Pac-12 again Bo Nix I wouldn't take over him another fifth year senior older guy I think that Sam Hartman has the better experience um, and yeah, uh, then you start looking at some other names like Jordan Travis, you know, I, I'm not in on his hype. He hasn't proven anything really either. to me. Um, and then you look at Cam rising as well. Another older guy, another, you know, quarterback out, out in the pac 12. It's, it's crazy. You look at a lot of these lists and there's like four quarterbacks from the pac 12 all in the top list. And I'm not buying any of them except Caleb Williams. And again, I, I just think pac 12 defenses aren't as battle tested and as hard as, you know, some of these defenses over in the ACC. And I'll take Sam Hartman's experience in the ACC over his, over the PAC 12 experience quarterback. Yeah. So I, the, the only reason I go with Caleb Williams and Drake may is because they're younger. 
Um, and, you know, they'll probably even they won't even probably stick out their all four years in college. So even then, it's not really that big of a deal. So those are my two guys at the end of the day. I mean, they're both supposed to go at the top of the draft next year. And a lot of people saying they would have taken them this year if they were draft eligible. I would still it would only be Caleb Williams for me. I mean, you can call it a push with Drake May. I wouldn't take him over Hartman. They had a head to head game last year. North Carolina won by two points. And you can argue that maybe they should have won by more, you know, just based on like, if you look at, at recruiting rankings alone, North Carolina has outpaced Wake Forest pretty much all these other schools and, and quarterbacks that, that you've talked about, whether it's Penix or Knicks or Travis, like all the places they've been at the recruiting rankings for pure offensive talent have been ahead of what Wake Forest has had, you know, like look at, at Josh Downs at North Carolina. He was a third round pick last year. Hartman's best receiver that he had last year had over a thousand yards. He didn't go until the sixth round. So like, I just, you know, like if you boil it down to numbers, they're all fairly similar. Some are ahead of, of Sam Hartman. But when you look at what he has done with less at Wake Forest, I, I just, Caleb Williams would be the only one I would definitively say I would take ahead of Sam Hartman. Again, there, there are some that would be pushes, but you know, like, look at, you know, like, He's going to have a running game to lean on for the first time, kind of like Cam Rising out at Utah. Like, if you look at what Rising has done, like, he's maybe one of the few, again, like Rising and Knicks or Penix when he was at Indiana. Penix at Washington is another story. But again, like, when you look at, at what they've had around them, Rising hasn't had necessarily anymore, but they've had a better off, you know, better offensive line, better offensive system, better running game. And that's what Hartman's going to have now. So, that's why Williams would be the only one that I would I would put ahead of him. Even even with Drake May, because like look at Sam Howell. Like Sam Howell played in the same system, and he was supposed to be so great. What's he done? You know. So I just I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him above Hartman. So the ACC appears to be nearing a new agreement on revenue distribution that would give a larger share of postseason revenue including from the soon-to-expand college football playoff, to the teams that play in the postseason games rather than dividing all the revenue equally among conference members, which they do now. Do you buy or sell this idea for the ACC to try to kind of appease the masses out there that have been up uprising? Yeah, I, I believe in um, distributing the revenue across the teams equally. And I'll tell you why, because – you know, not every team is going to be great. Like like this decade, sure, Clemson might dominate and North Carolina State might be bad. But who's to say the decade after this that North Carolina State isn't the team that, you know, kind of takes takes that next step up and Clemson takes a step back. So it, it's, it's easy to say in the moment as a school that, yes, we want all the money that we're generating, but you're looking at it in just this kind of smaller window. So for me – I think it could hurt you in the long term. And I think it's just better to, as a conference, to be kind of unified. So I would be um, uh, on the same boat of distributing the revenue equally. I don't know about you. So you want them to keep the even revenue split like they have right now? Yeah, I do. And I, I think it also fluctuates because, you know, obviously football is your big sport and obviously the biggest moneymaker, but. You know, just because Clemson's good at football doesn't mean they're good at baseball, basketball. Like there's so many sports across the whole entire college. I think it's so easy to get hyper fixated on one sport in the moment now 
rather than considering, you know, long term well, down the road in the bigger picture of all the sports kind of. And it, and it would be a revenue split of not just football, but it would be like, you know, men's and women's basketball. If your team goes to the tournament, there's there's extra revenue that comes along with it there. And that's why I like it, because the original idea was like Clemson, Florida State and these other schools went in, you know, kind of into these meetings saying we're the ones who are producing the most right. And, you know, the, the other five schools along with them, like North Carolina, NC State, et cetera, they're like, we think that we're more deserving of a better split right now and you should give us more and forget everybody else. I think it's kind of a compromise and, and a good one to say, if you, if, if, you know, if you go to the playoff, if you go to March Madness, if you go to the College World Series, whatever it happens to be, then yeah, you can have more revenue. As yeah, I so I like that year. kind of idea. Is you know, regular season is like a base, and that kind of gets redistributed evenly. But the incentives right. of making it past the regular season, I do think that that particular you know sport and team should reap the benefits of it because they went above right. and beyond. It's out of kind of like that base or core like, of the regular season. Yeah, it's it's like if the like contract if, incentives basically that yeah, professional athletes a, get. If you're a salesman. You know, you're going to make more. The more you sell, the the more you're going to make, right? And it's it's really the same thing. It's exactly what you said. It is incentive. So, like the base TV revenue would be the same, but if Clemson goes to the college football playoff and none of the other ACC teams do, then Clemson gets the college football playoff revenue. It's not going to be split with the rest of the conference. You know, again, like same with March Madness and and whatever else. And it's obviously on a year to year basis. So kind of, you know, like the, the baseline stays the same with the basic TV revenue, but you're, you're essentially getting postseason bonuses if your teams make it to the games that count. So I like it. I think it's, it's the best compromise that the ACC is probably going to be able to come up with right now. All right, so SI's Ross Dellinger reported this week that if the Big 12 can't get the Pac-12 teams it's been pursuing to join the conference, UConn is next on the Big 12's wish list. Do you buy or sell UConn, potentially, to the Big 12? I don't. I sell uh, UConn going to the Big 12, and the reason why I sell them is literally outside of basketball it's the only like basketball is the only fit it makes in the Big 12. And I think it'd be a great addition there. But I mean, if you're looking at football, baseball, you know, all the other kind of sports that come along with it, it, it UConn can't contend like UConn football almost got shut down. If I'm right, you know, not too long ago. And so I just don't think that they could handle their own outside of basketball inside the Big 12. I think that is literally the only reason why. Uh, that there's even interest because of the recent national championship. And then obviously, you know, the women's success over however long it's been, you know, that Gino has been there. So yeah. I, I just sell it because basketball is the only selling point. And that's like three, you know, what, like November to March. So like four or five months out of the season, I, I just, it's not enough for me. I said this a couple of years ago, like UConn just needs to move. Football needs to move back to FCS, <laughs> you know, like they gave it a shot in the American conference all it got them was 11 straight losing seasons and an upside down athletic department budget that's put them tens of millions of dollars in debt they have tried not even big time football again it's the american there's some solid football in the american but it's 
you know, like they moved back to the Big East. As you said, like they just showed that they could win a men's national championship. Women's basketball is obviously still successful there. And it's like, it is, Stores is an outpost in Connecticut. You know, it is literally like you've got to drive from Stores, probably close to an hour to get to the airport in Hartford and just all this other, like to get from there, like to Lubbock, Texas, or even Waco, or, you know, any of these places, Lawrence, Kansas State, like, why why would you be considering that? Stay in the Big East, be a basketball school. You know, yeah, just want... dominate in the Big East as the, yeah. big, the big fish in the smaller pond. I just think going to the Big 12 – they would they would drown. They would drown outside of women's and men's basketball. And I don't think yeah. that those two programs could keep them afloat yeah. as a school as whole, essentially. For basketball, for for basketball only, it would be a great move to the Big 12. But to try to compete in football, I just don't see it. I, I see it driving them backwards once again and costing them more money ultimately than than what they would be able to get out of it. I just don't see it. So the NFL's director of broadcasting, Mike North, was on the SI Media podcast this week, and he told the host, Jimmy Traina, when he when Traina asked him why the Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers are going to have five primetime games this season, North said it's in part due to the Packers having a track record of turning inexperienced quarterbacks into winners. What do you think of that? So I understand the argument. And I understand the logic because, I mean, we're talking about the most blessed quarterback franchise in the last three decades with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And I know, you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers probably were most the the most coveted. Like you didn't look at both of those guys and say, yes, Hall of Famer, you know, Super Bowl champions, you know, all all the accolades that they ended up compiling over their time. I just don't see Jordan Love following that lineage. And I don't know if that's too skeptical of me, too early on of me, but I just don't see it as as something that's going to happen. I think the only thing that really keeps them in there is that it's the Packers. They're one of those kind of legacy teams. Right. And I just believe that there is still enough national fans, whether or not they have a, a good quarterback or not, a proven quarterback or not, they're still going to draw interest. And so while I understand the logic to a degree, I, I just think that it, it, in the end, Jordan Love isn't going to follow in the footsteps of, as Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say that that is your main reason for putting them in, in those prime spots. Well, and it wasn't necessarily the main reason, but it was one of the reasons that he had. And, you know, again, he's saying they've got a track record of of doing this. I mean, it's a track record of one, because like you said, it's like, you know, Brett Favre was traded from Atlanta to Green Bay. That was like that. That's a distant memory. Like what? At least three head coaches ago, four head coaches ago at this point. And to go from, you know, him turning into what he turned into. I, I remember in college is when that trade happened from Atlanta to Green Bay. And it's like, who? You know, one of my roommates and best friends at the time, huge Green Bay Packers fan and you know he was skeptical of that he was skeptical of the Aaron Rodgers deal but there's only been one transition from Favre to Rodgers and yeah that worked out well but again like that was a different administration that was a different coaching staff ago like if it were me you know again 
just like you said, I would have because the the Packers are there because they're the Packers and they do have a national following. But they've also had been blessed with three decades, thirty one years of Rodgers and Favre. Maybe Love does turn into that. You know, like he's got all of I think fifty pass attempts in his career <laughs> right now. There's nothing to show that he is. I think I would have front loaded that primetime schedule with maybe you know three games early on. But if they get to the middle of the season and and the Packers and Jordan Love are are floundering, who's going to tune in to that? They're just going to be stinkers. So I, I think I think it's uh, it, it was an interesting rationale to say the least to say that that that's part of the reason that they're going with Green Bay five primetime games this season. Yeah, I mean it's either going to go really well or kind of be the Packers public display of not being good after being, you know, pretty good the last three decades. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, we've got some discussion going on, like Chi-Town saying Farvin Rogers are not the normal in the 70s and 80s for the Packers. Was I mean, there, there, were, there was a lot of bad quarterback play after Bart Starr. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, you know, uh, Roger Dodger says Montana to Young for the Niners, but that was messy. It was. And that is, like, those are really – the only two handoffs that you where you went from one Hall of Famer to another. Like there there have not been, it's pretty much the fact that that the Green Bay Packers got 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play is just astounding. No one has ever done that before. Like the closest thing is Tom Brady in New England, and he did that all him. You know, like when you're talking about that, you know, length of time of of Hall of Fame quarterback play, but there's never been a handoff like that before. It's give me, uh, give me your way too early NFC North standings. Oh man, see, there's just. I'll give you mine. I'll give you a little second. You... To... I got Lions, I don't know if... Vikings, I don't know... Packers, Bears. That would probably be the direction that I would go because I'm, I, I just don't know what that Bears defense is going to be like. You know, and like. Justin Fields, like so many times last year, like he really didn't throw that much. I think he threw the least of any team or, you know, like any quarterback in terms of attempts, even when they were trailing as much as they trailed, he didn't. Throw I the think football. there were games where he barely threw it 10 times. Yeah. Like 15 was his maximum, very maximum sometimes. Right. They didn't even air it out when they were trailing. He would still be running the football. So. I just don't know if I can buy completely into the Lions hype or not. Yeah, but the Lions handled the Vikings last year, even towards the end when the Vikings were hot and, you know, the, whatever they were, the Lions, you know, they beat them. And that's why I think that uh, the I, I like the Lions momentum going into next season. I don't yeah. think the Vikings can sustain that record they did last year. And I mean, they kind of proved it in the first round of the playoffs, right? Yeah, I would probably go Lions Vikings. Packers and Bears are going to be like one two. game difference, in my opinion. I think they're both right. going to kind of be there. <laughs> They'll probably split with each other, and both will be sub-500. You know, there's a reason the Bears got the number one overall pick. I'm not expecting them to make a move <laughs> this year. You know, beyond just Levy Smith handing it. Yeah, simply. the number one pick isn't going to, uh, you know, fix that entire roster. Right. So it's going to be... Dion and Colorado against TCU in Fox's first big noon kickoff game of the season, September 2nd, scale of one to 10. 
How much does it move the needle for you? Oof. It's like a two for me. <laughs> 10 being the highest, like the needle going, you know, the speedometer going maxing out. I, I got to go a two out of 10. And the only reason it's a two is because I could give a crap about TCU. I'm just, I want to see what that. Everyone what wants Dion, to see what Colorado's going to do. Yeah. I yeah. want to see what Dion puts on the field. And if they're a competent football team, really, that's all I'm looking for. To, yeah. You know. John puts it at a one. I put it at least at a five, you know, again, like just because, <laughs> just because of the Dion stuff, can they, after all these transfers and all this, you know, waves that he made coming in the door, can they be competitive? I'm not sold that TCU, by the way, is going to continue to be anywhere nearly as good as they were. Yeah, there's year. no way. I, I I think they're actually going to be like a sub 500 team this year. Ooh, you think they'll fall that far back? Well, then that, I think they'll be like seven and that, five. If you think that, it could be competitive then. Colorado no, that game's going to be competitive. I don't think that that game's not going to be a blowout, in my opinion. I, I think that I think that actually Colorado will have more athleticism on the field than TCU, but I just don't know what they're going to look like as a team game yeah. one. Yeah. Shaitan says Colorado's going to get blown out. I'd like to see what the line is right now. <laughs> we'll see if I can find it here in a second. Because yeah, speaking I don't know where of you Colo- find all these lines at. <laughs> what? They're in your app. All you got to do is go to your app. They're in there. You just got to look for the futures. So Colorado currently has a Vegas over under win total of three and a half. Falcons win total is eight and a half. The Bears, the Chicago Bears, are seven and a half. So which of those three teams' win total is more likely to go over this season? Shoot. So we're talking, you know, AFC South. Tampa's going to be gross. Panthers <laughs> are going to be rebuilding. And then what's the last team in that AFC South? Uh, the Saints. Uh, Saints, yeah. Saints are nothing, you know, crazy. But what are the Falcons? You know, that's what I mean. You look at the over eight and a half. That means you're you're a nine and eight team at minimum. I just don't I don't really buy that from the Falcons. You go look at the Bears. The Bears that's like an eight and nine team. I think they could finish right around there. I think they could be eight and nine, seven and ten. You know, somewhere around there. You know, Dion at over three and a half. That means you're going four and eight. You know, just because of the parity in college football, I, I think I feel most confident about Dion going over three and a half wins. I, I just think that the guy, what I know he's a lot of, you know, a lot, and I know, but he's got a track record. And I know it's not in the power five, but he's upgrading his roster as he's moving along. And he has never, he's never shown to me that he's going to be a guy that that doesn't exceed expectations. He's always exceeded expectations in everything that he's done, whether he comes off as arrogant. He comes off as cocky, loudmouth. Whatever you want to say about Dion is he exceeds your expectations. The guy was a professional two-sport athlete. You know, he just did everything that he basically was told he couldn't do. And so I have the most faith in the Colorado Buffs to go over three and a half wins because I think Dion's a winner and he'll do what it takes to get that program turned around. First of all, the Atlanta Falcons are not winning nine games. <laughs> that was a care. stretch. I mean, Desmond Ritter and yeah. B. John Robinson are leading the backfield. So yes. that's that's a sophomore and a, a freshman yeah. you know, coming in. And that's and, and that's my point. Like, okay, you can add B. John Robinson. And, and, you know, the fact that that was their pick, considering all the holes they have, they don't have a quarterback. I don't care how bad that division is. They're not winning nine games 
this season. Maybe they get to eight. Maybe I think that's you're still telling a me sports gambling. Calvin Ridley isn't going to uh, move the needle for you either. <laughs> no, the Bears are not winning eight games. Sorry, Shy Town. The Bears are not winning eight games this season. That's what I mean. So by de facto, <laughs> I have the most faith in right. Colorado and what Dion is, and the fact that it's still college football. Like there's so much parity. Things can happen. Yeah, the South is a trash division, but <laughs> hate to do this to you. The, the North is not going to be that much better. You know, they, <laughs> they do have the Lions and the Vikings, and it's like if that's the step up, then oh, my goodness. But Kenny by the Moore way. found your lines for you, 23 and a half on DraftKings. I was just getting ready to say that. I, I, I was waiting for you to finish. Colorado is a 23 and a half point underdog to TCU. <sighs> I might take that, that right game. now. Yeah. Lock me in for a future. I think that I would take that as well. I, I do like the over four wins, though, for Colorado this season. I mean, or three and a half. It might only be four. It might only be five. But, I, I you know, it's, it's still the Pac-12, and the roster is going to be completely different than what Colorado had last year. So you can't base it on the one-win team that they had last year, you know, he's completely overhauled the roster. So I would get him right in fall camp. It'll be a a tough fall camp for Colorado, but I think he'll get him right. All right. K-Max heading out and we're getting ready to wrap up as well. So ah, appreciate you joining us here today. We had a lot to, uh, to cover a lot of good stuff that we had. On today's I know show. what I'm doing immediately after this show. I'm taking them to cover 23 and a half. And I'm <laughs> taking the over in the three and a half. I might parlay those if it's possible. I was going to say, I would jump on that right now. <laughs> I, I, I think that that line has got to come down before it gets there. You get like. We are uh, not Marshall. I'm sorry you live in Atlanta. I was down there a month ago and that is the worst traffic and airport I think I've ever experienced in my life. Very large airport. That's for sure. All right, well, smash the like button on your way out. We appreciate you being here as always. I think, Vince, you're here tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm here tomorrow. All right, I think Vince is with us as well. So either way, we will talk to you then. Hit the like button, subscribe, rate, and review, and talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to Chase Brown, Ivy Nation Sports Talk.